deeper you go, the lighter it gets. Um, the issue is how to go deeper. Uh, that's what takes the some of the skill. And I'm suggesting uh, kind of long-term qualities of certain, you know, lightness of touch, but definitely staying in touch, staying in touch as, you know, really second by second, because it does flicker out. We go into this experience that I've tried to uh, outline as the papancha or proliferation, whereby a whole lot of diversified um, phenomena arise and we seem to be kind of <coughs> running around in them or thrown around by them, underneath them, or juggling them. And we feel we get busy and active and our conventional self arises trying to deal with it all or line it all up or something. So essentially this makes it very difficult to to come to any sense of clarity or deepening because we're always just you know, scuttering around on the surface of the pond, dealing with all the stuff that lands on it, not recognising it's our very, you know, skidding around that's actually creating all the disturbance. <laughs> so it's, it's sort of, you know, why, why when we're sitting here, you know, breathing, why does all this stuff come in? You know, who brings it here? <laughs> yeah. And this is just a reflex, it's not anybody's personal fault, it's just the reflex of, the, of what's called chitta. Chitta, mind, heart, awareness. It's trying to, it's trying to find its way out to, to uh, freedom, clarity, ease, comfort. And when it's marked by what's called avijjara, not being in touch, uh, it kind of gets bogged down in these details. Mm-hmm. It doesn't deepen. Yeah. Not recognizing perhaps there is a deepening, or imagining there is one, but it will come after I've dealt with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. <coughs> When's that going to be? <laughs> Waiting for the clear spot, huh? Yeah. So it has a little bit of a shrewd uh, recognition of what is the nature of this stuff and what, and even, you know, some of its pleasant, unpleasant, future, past, myself, other people, and various permutations on those themes, busyness, duties, interests, inclinations, anxieties, and all this stuff. Very evocative. So we first of all, you know, we start with the experience of just that things being evocative and poignant and, and reactive and say, well, could you just, can we just sort of uh, allow it to, to be there and breathe in and breathe out, just even come out of the more full-on experience of mind into somewhere else, you know, into the body, which doesn't do proliferation. This is the kind of basic tactic, just, you know, just get out. And uh, so you don't entirely get out, you bring some with you, but at least you begin to perhaps, you know, sift some of the really, you know, irrelevant stuff from what's happening. We come down to, mind keeps coming back to certain themes, but perhaps some of the other details have passed away. Mm-hmm. So this is the whole process of samadhi, you know, uh, the inclination towards that, towards simplicity, unification, centering. <clears throat> and uh, essentially calming 
the reactive uh, nerve or the reactive sense that keeps everything hopping around. And the first way of calming is to find protection, safety, strength. You know, because some of our hopping around is a is an intrinsic sense of anxiety over. And it's certainly there are topics we could legitimately feel anxious about. But here we are now. Yeah, so just taking a break from it so that if there are things we do have concern about we can deal with it in a more kind of resourced, strong, clear manner rather than just being stirred up by it all. Doesn't mean there's nothing to do. It means you want to get your resources together before you do things. And also you begin to prioritise what can be done, what can be put aside, what can be done and what has to be left. What you're capable of doing, so you're not running around trying to mop up your own footsteps. So this sense of strengthening comes from feeling basic safety, and that's that's very much a, a coming into your body and, and sensing that. So this is like a little gift that we have, because when you come into this, just sitting on your ground, in this respect, in this respect, yeah. That bit is okay. So we just touch into that theme, and the jitta, um, your awareness, your heart, your mind, picks that theme up and feels a little bit more okay, okay, yeah, okay, right. And some of the the material drops away because there isn't this agitation occurring. So the process is one of of a... a thinning out which doesn't come from <coughs> swatting it away or, 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 sh- or shoving it away. It comes from dropping to a place where it doesn't occur. Mm. Dropping to a place where it doesn't occur. Mm. And you're staying there and okay. You know. And then from there we might begin to sense a sense of empathy, which arises when you feel when you feel steady and secure, okay, then quite naturally human beings feel a sense of well, how is it? How am I how am I? How are you? What's going on? How's that? How's it feel? How does it feel to be here? How, how, you know, that, that's some sort of shivering sense of just recognition. And again here we can just do that through our skin. Mm. And feeling it, oh yeah. And maybe, you know, begins at that level, feeling okay. Mm. And so you, you can deepen into that and begin to get the sense of that we do have a strong empathic quality. Mm. And we cultivate that quite deliberately with these immeasurables, recognizing even to this very body, you know, before it gets to even personal, which can be difficult sometimes, but just this body, may this body be well. Feed, exercise, rest, yeah, may this be well. And if we do that, we begin to pick up, the chitta picks up that potential for the giving, loving, uh, expressing concern, your welfare, 
And the chitta picks up that theme and says, oh, this is very nice, this is how I want to be. Yeah, this is good. Picks up that theme. But often we have to begin with this bodied sense. But also to get it not just as a theory. I mean, a light is an idea. But, um, you know, to, to really feel it as an as a experience that you can testify to, yeah, that, that, that does feel. And then you, you, you start with stuff you can manage. You know, it's very simple, primary, um, primary love, primary gift, you know, perhaps love's too strong a word, primary empathy and well-being to so this, this very form here, whatever it is. And you just run that over the body, even into the organs, you know, inside, throughout. Mm-hmm. in your face and your eyes as if there is a, some sort of quality of a warmth or a, 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 a running over the skin mm-hmm. non-intrusive non-demanding just a steady space of, of goodwill so this again does help a lot of the uh, tangles and jitters of the, of the mind to, to ease up. We're not having to defend ourselves, prove ourselves, be good at something in order to win this quality. It's given. doesn't matter. There's no deal. <laughs> and it feels good like that. You don't need a deal. Because just to have that energy running through it, that, that is reward enough. Mm-hmm. So these are very important because they do help to to reduce the amount of content about you know, what what should I do that would make me feel secure. Well, you know, you know the proliferations around that, and how do I get that sense of feeling appreciated or you know not harmed or at least not not seen in a negative light. Mm. Not mistrusted, not you know, reviled, not mm. laughed at. You know? How do I get free from that? So it doesn't matter what my shape or size or mood is. There'll be that. You know? So it, then it's a freeing up. And this freeing up is really important to for the jitter to experience. And, you know, it's just holding those two potentials. This is what it means to be in touch. Hold the potential for, say, strength or steadiness, safety. Hold the potential for warmth, empathy, well-being. And just hold it almost on a bodily level where you're not getting into it personal issues, personal identity issues with it. Then it's much simpler until that energy becomes quite assured and you enjoy it and you realise it doesn't have to, you know, the safety doesn't have to be a defence system. It can be just a natural state of feeling confident and without any particular reason. You don't seek confidence through gaining a status or... um, 
reward or esteem, you feel confidence because there's nothing to not feel confident. <laughs> Here you are. Uh, it, once you begin to experience it, you realize, well, this is not anything that unusual. The weird thing is how often one doesn't feel it. What, what, bring, what takes it away? What takes away that fundamental, innate assurance of it's okay to be here? That we begin to see, perhaps with some sense of shock. My goodness, yeah. Actually, most of my life, it hasn't been okay to be here, to just be that. You've always got to do something, uh, be something, smile, look good, win something in order to be here. But it, you know, there was a deal. And you know, who, who's, the, who's the, person, the other person in the deal? The rest of the world? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people to do a deal with, isn't it? <laughs> Anybody who comes along and says, "Don't like the look of you," <laughs> you believe them, or are you going to say, "Oh, sorry about that," <laughs> you know, or you don't come up to my standards? Well, <laughs> change your standards. <laughs> Find somebody else. But you don't have to feel so kind of, oh dear. Yeah. So, you, how did it how did it get lost? That's that's the topic. It's fundamental. Security, assurance, confidence, presence. Because mm-hmm. the cross of ignorance, essentially. And ignorance may sound like, you know, just plain stupidity, but it really means not really being in touch, not sensing not deeply sensing the depth of being. We're, we're scuttering around on the social level, trying to find our happiness, confidence, security, pleasure in something that can't actually provide it. It provides flashes of it, but then it always has to be shored up by something else and added to it by something else. So we're looking in meditation at very primary um, confidence, primary well-being, that's unconditioned by circumstance. This is just basic sanity, because as we all realise, and we recognise it, but we don't, doesn't always, recognising it doesn't always quell the reflex, you know, when you look at circumstances, they're not, you know, safe. Circumstances. There's violence, crime, traffic, accidents, disease. It's not a safe place to be. If you look at circumstances, conditions, uh, if you look for uh, feeling, um, you know, lack of ill will or, or in the world around you, well, you know, that's, you never quite know, but uh, some of it's indifference. Lack of lack of connection, just the coldness. There isn't really a, a sense of being met, sensed with a open heart. Many times it's just blank indifference, being treated like a like a name on a sheet or an object. Sometimes it's manipulativeness or cruelty or prejudice or you know people trying to prove they're better than you or do or work you know do do something to you. 
that isn't for your welfare. So this is conditions. And we can't seek, um, we're trying to seek that quality of, of basic, um, you know, we could say very, very basic love uh, isn't going to come there as a steady you have to you have to find someone and what then they're going to come and go and have their bad days for sure <laughs> and then a separation from the loved isn't it which is extraordinarily painful heartbreak So, you know, ignorance gets into a lot of trouble. The deeper you go, the lighter it gets, because there's just the less, the less need to seek these fundamental uh, needs in conditioned circumstances. And I would say these are fundamental needs. And fundamental, you can't say, well, you know, the word need, I mean, these are just the fundamental properties of, that are there, or that, that we lose touch with. Yeah? I mean, why shouldn't we feel warm-hearted? We're humans. When you look at it in theory, I mean, isn't it nice? <laughs> why, isn't that what hearts are about? One, well, yeah. Uh, but when you recognise it in, in fact, oh no, it's not there all the time, is it? But it's not that that is such an amazing thing to feel, it's just, sh- it's just shocking that the absence of it, and how prevalent the absence of it, how flickering it is, should be just a steady state. Hmm? The Buddha taught his whole life out of that quality. He didn't lose it. You know, the enlightened one, Anukampa, the ability to feel empathy, sharing, and from that the wish to provide whatever was helpful for others. His whole life, till his last, till his last dying breath. So it's not some just some kind of sentimental thing, it's just the natural property of chitta. When it's free from impediments, and it feels good. I don't think the Buddha ever regretted getting enlightened. (laughs) <laughs> oh, before I was enlightened, I was, it was kind of fun. Now I'm in this bleak, sterile state, and nothing happens anymore. You know, it stopped, everything has stopped completely. You know, was, I don't think it was like that, you know. And it's often a misinterpretation, Nibbana, means there's nothing there. It doesn't. It means the agitation has gone. The, um, the, the tightness, the, bound, the binding has gone. The fires of passion have gone. It doesn't mean there's nothing there. You know, that, that is very clearly stated. It's just you can't proliferate around it. It doesn't, doesn't go into diversification. It's just this natural, the natural state, we might say, that um, is perhaps rarely touched into. Mm-hmm. Mm. And basic clarity, the ability to to know 
that which arises must pass, that which comes must go. We know this in theory, perhaps, but it doesn't feel like it. Now I'm stuck, stuck with this. When is this ever going to go away? Because yeah. uh, we haven't gone deep enough. Two thousand gone deep enough. To what can you know, it keeps bouncing back into the same recurring scenarios because it hasn't it's still affected by Ouija ignorance. Uh, one can accept this as a theory, but uh, doesn't feel like that. This is the uh, need for meditation, for deepening. And beginning to pass through, touch into, pass through, lightly hold some of these fundamental obstacles. Mm. And I would say the first thing I've mentioned many times, the need for this primary strength, primary ground, primary presence. Mm. No matter what. Take some time. You know, if you when you leave retreat, do take time every day. This is not a retreat experience. It's not a meditation. It's not like you do a meditation retreat and then back to where you were. You take some of these things with you. And primary ground is something that should never be ignored. If you don't do this, you're extremely vulnerable to all kinds of stuff in your own mind and world around you. And you do have a body, and you can sit on the floor, and you can go into that experience. It's just it's as simple as that, just a steady breathing out into that. Mm-hmm. Feeling the space around you is free from obstruction, free from impediment. And this may not seem to be dealing with all your topics, but it does shake, it, shake a lot of them out. And your mind gathers the strength and the unification to see things more clearly see the wood for the trees, to see what is just circumstantial detail, doesn't really matter, what things are of extreme importance and what things are of lesser importance, and what can be done and what can't be done, what's yours and what's somebody else's. These aren't things that people always know. You know, we find particularly in social contact and relationships, it's kind of the, the mind thinks your, you know, other people's business is your, it's my business. I've got to sort someone out, and you know he shouldn't be this way. And my son and my daughter, why are they like this? And my husband, and my cousin, how much can you deal with? You know. And you say, well, what I can do, experience is is primary empathy, you know, and what can come out of that. This comes when you feel confident in in your presence doesn't come otherwise. So many of the topics then begin to, oh yeah, this is what I can do, this bit. This is 
primary clarity. You begin to see what can be done, what can't be done, what's yours, what isn't yours. And recognizing what's mine, what's important, is that I don't generate negative karma for myself or others. It's karma means that the, the mind gets into a particular conditioned response time and time again. And so it's called action, it's mental action, it's the action of the mind getting into a particular condition set of responses time and time again until that becomes almost an, a, a law or a habit or a, a pattern or even a kind of an addiction actually. We get addicted to stimulation, we get addicted to, um, you name it, Um, business, busyness, addicted to being useful. (laughs) You know, some of it's not necessarily coarse addiction, but you get addicted to being useful, to being, uh, you get addicted to being something, essentially. And so that is called tanha, and this, this sense of an addictive sense, tanha and upadana, and your karma gets created, and it forms you. You you become the sum total of your karmic patterns. And they become like a, a case around the chitta, or uh, something that binds it in particular ways, in which it doesn't see the other options doesn't see other possibilities, doesn't experience freedom, it feels bound. Because mm-hmm. in that, you're, it's like you get tunnel vision. You get tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And you, we, that energy creates us. It's not that we create karma, karma creates us. Jitta creates karma, karma creates the sense of me in this situation, needing to be this and bonded to that and having to get on with this. That's, that's karma. It's not necessarily always bad, but it's marked by this sense of self. It generates one. And therefore, that's why things seem permanent. That's why things seem lasting, because in this stuck tunnel vision of experience, basically the energy... Uh, ignorance and craving keeps putting the same elements back again and again and again <laughs> again and again he keeps re- like a magnet he keeps putting the iron filings in the same pattern again and again and again yeah. here I am doing my duty bit here I am doing my got to do bit here am I you know and there I, I recognise here I am again <laughs> here he is here same thing running down the same track and where did he go yeah. What did it get to? Maybe somewhere a little better, but basically the habit still continues. You tidied up this room, you go and tidy up the next room. <laughs> yeah. mm. These are not necessarily evil by any means, but they get compulsive and they bind us. And there's a loss of freedom, joy, ease. Uh, and we get frustrated because sooner or later our karmic intentions don't get realised. I don't get the thing done I wanted to do. Um, I feel frustrated that my life hasn't worked out because I don't get 
what I wanted to do was this and I can't make it happen because, you know, so this sort of thing. I got sick, dang it, I wanted to go, you know, sick, uh, you know. So we, this karma is uh, essentially, when it's tethered to conditions, it's, frustra- it's sooner or later frustrated, it's impatient, it's, uh, it demands, and this is what we work with. And the Buddha said, well, the best kind of mental action, karma, <coughs> intentionality that you can undertake is the intention to end it, to release it, to come out of it, to come out of being somebody, to come out of forming yourself into some pattern or position or entity or duty or obligation or, you know, you know, part of the thing that you've got to feel you've got to do. That's the best thing you can do. And it doesn't mean you can't do anything, right? Because the Buddha certainly lived an active life. But it means you do things with no result. You do things because the good energy rolls through, and you let it express itself. It doesn't matter. Because it was good to experience that, that creative flow, that expression of, yeah thought or mood or word or action it's good it's called play no result doesn't matter I mean there will be results but you're not you're not hankering for them and you're not basing yourself upon them there's an example in the Buddha's own life he spent those years teaching you imagine everybody you know got good results no they didn't. Some people tried to kill him. His own cousin tried to kill him seven times. I mean, you could take that personally, couldn't you? <laughs> you think, what did I do wrong? Did I see, was I unkind to my cousin? Did I, did I didn't share enough with him? Perhaps it was some infantile projection I was doing with him? <laughs> You can go this whole do this whole number on yourself. No, the guy was just a bad dude. That's all. <laughs> that was his issue. But you know, <laughs> so not everyone was a winner, as far as the Buddha was concerned. Definitely, and uh, you know, when you look in the, the suttas, generally you see all these success stories. You look in the video. <laughs> Books of the training, you see all the failures, all the monks losing, you know, the people who lost it and the Buddha had to create some rule about foolish man, do not do this. I have not told you this, uh, you know. People who didn't get it lost it, lost lost touch, lost the plot, and the Buddha has to lay down some training rules. No, I don't want to lay down training rules. But he, he thought, oh, well, I was trying to create boundaries because people are, you know, even though I've taught them it, they're still addicted to getting their own way sense pleasures, you know, fame, reputation. So I guess I'm going to create some rules around it. So, so then it's quite revealing when you look at all that. Mm. But then you realise structures are necessary because of this, this proliferation, grabbing, grasping. Mm-hmm. Mm. Certainly in lay life you need that. You need to create structures. And not be ashamed of it, you know. Structures that maintain your, your safety, your relative, your protection, maintain your basic empathy. You don't lose heart with yourself, even everybody else, you know, whatever. 
you don't lose heart with yourself. And when it's time to feel sad, you're sympathetic to that. When it's time to feel sick, you're sympathetic to that. When it's time to, to realise you can't do something, you're sympathetic to that state. Instead of berating yourself, um, or trying to be some, you know, not be sad, not be hurt, not be disappointed. It's, it's, there's the time for basic empathy. Mm. And you know, doing it, doing it yourself is far more, actually, far more thorough than if other people. Certainly, it's great other people can help to take us there, but essentially, we have to find that how to cultivate that for ourselves. When the, the clarity to, to know where the refuge is and uh, where it begins. This is, we take refuge, we go for refuge. You recognise, you know, on my ordinary condition level, I'm not, I'm not getting there, am I? You know, I've got my apartment, I've got my car, I've got, you know, a bit of money in the bank. I'm still not okay. I'm not. I don't feel settled. Uh oh. You know, I've ticked the boxes. I'm still not okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's not going to be okay because it doesn't get okay on that level. It's another level that you have to deepen to find that. <clears throat> but the deeper you go, the lighter it gets, because if these fundamental properties are activated, are turned on, are remembered, then we do feel lighter, we do feel more at ease in the world. It's just, nat- it's just natural. Mm. So this is the clearing process, and uh, and we, we take that, I call it a very primary level, that it's not about me as a personality, it's deeper than that. So all those echoes of the personality experiences of choices, decision making, uh, you know, problems, issues, and so forth, yeah, that's true. Um, if you go a little bit deeper, how's it feeling down a little bit deeper? Feels stirred, agitated, retracted, tight, tense you know, eager, bustling, okay, just feel into those, these are energies, jitter experiences, these are dynamic energies flowing, so we come into jitter as an energy field. I think this is, to me, significant, because when we use a word like mind or even heart, it still gives you the sense of sort of an entity of some kind. And the problem with that is that it doesn't really allow the full flow of something quite dynamic. And chitta is really more like an energy field. And just let that 
phrase sit there for one or try to ink it in, fill it in for you. It means if you just drop the models, even drop the words, and go back to direct experience, because all the words are really attempts to translate an experience. They're, they're, they're concepts that try to translate something. What's the really essential experience? Do you have a mind? <laughs> if you come to it, we think that, we assume we have a mind, because otherwise you must be dead or mindless. No, no. Do you have such a thing as a mind? Or don't you experience mentality? That is a flow of thoughts, uh, concerns, uh, interests, aspirations, reservations. Isn't it all just dynamic processes occurring? Hmm? Isn't that how it is? Is there some sort of entity that's experiencing that? Hmm? If you look, contemplate directly, or do we assume there must be an entity experiencing that? Because we might assume we can't have an experience without an experiencer, can you? Well, check it out. Who is experiencing? Now if you do that, then you switch your attention and the who that's experiencing it also becomes a set of dynamic processes. Memories, interests, getting bored, wanting it, yeah? There's only dynamic experiences, really. Now, you know, just like, uh, as I say, in matter itself, now science understands that matter itself is really just, a pro- it's just energy forming repeated patterns. The old billiard ball idea of atoms has gone out the window. They recognize that actually matter itself is just fields of energy in microcosmic and macrocosmic forms. Kind of mind-blowing, really. Um, But actually, that's how it is. And jitter itself, and even body itself, is just a field of dynamic properties. And these properties, elements, earth, air, fire, water, space, so on. And jitter has has a much wider field is a much wider field than the, what we call kaya or body, because kaya body field really is very much bound to the realm of space. That is, this my body field sense of what what my body can be affected by, you know, is is fairly limited. You know, I mean, I can't at this moment my body can't be affected by what's happening in London, but my chitta can, my mind can. My mind could be affected by things that happened ten years ago. That's still in my field, my mind field. Uh, my mind. So the chitra is not located in space or time. It's a field of dynamic processes. But what it is located in is called karma. The, the field of karma. The Buddha uses this expression. Karma is a field. Mm. It's a field of all the remembered, all the mental movements, all the whatever form they take. There's this field of, of energies, often tangling with each other, jumping, speeding, flowing, murmuring. Mm. This field, a bit of stuff. Mm. And certainly it takes particular patterns just as matter does. Energy can form coherent patterns that make what <coughs> seem solid to the ordinary person. 
And similarly, some of our mind can also do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So we get permanent struggles, permanent issues, permanent uh, semi-permanent thought patterns, and a semi-permanent self who's there watching it, even though they kind of change a bit from now now and then. You know, we get these kind of semi-permanent experiences because the field tends to crystallize and coagulate. Now, when there is the full allowance of space and recognition, these fields can untangle and nothing need be formed. And this most apparently uh, occurs in terms of, first of all, of of, um, unnecessary thoughts, don't need to think about my cousin's birthday, you know, uh, then it, occurs, it begins to recede in terms of, of um, uh, you know, thought itself. We don't have to be thinking all the time. There can be moments or even periods or pauses between the thought. It's not just wall-to-wall thought. There can be pauses yeah, in that. The field of thought the begins, the, the begins to thin out. So to this extent, there is an unbinding, there is a nibbana, there is a releasing to this extent. Mm-hmm. It's called the nibbana property, the nibbana element, which is another one of the elements. Um, so you need tuning to that. Ooh, what's that? Instead of tuning to what's there, tuning to what isn't there. Notice the absences, the spaces, and it wasn't. There isn't somebody. There isn't me there doing it either. You know, a moment later, I might think, "Oh, that was good. How did I do that?" Well, because you stopped. That's what did it. You stopped, (laughs) and it kind of starts to open up from this calming, grounding effect that the body gives to the chitta. So the field of chitta can thin and abate. Some of its intense waves and currents can quieten down. So this is called the stilling of sankharas. These these activities are called sankharas, and the jumping up and the moving. That that dynamic of it of chitta is called sankhara. That can be stilled, and it's stilled progressively. It tends to be stilled first of all in terms of directly immoral or abusive experiences, it gets less and less. There's no inclination that way. Uh, and, uh, you know, even towards oneself. It's stilled in terms of content, thoughts begin to, to ease up, die down. So we lose sometimes the details, sometimes the very processes themselves begin to quieten down. And we come to something much lighter, more spacious, definitely there, Definitely experienced and definitely good, but you don't know what it is. And after a while, you don't. You don't need to know what it is. You just uh uh-huh. mm-hmm. the chitta is stilling, it's releasing, mm. and there's still fundamental sensitivity, still awareness, mm. called the consciousness property. The ability to have some resonance. Uh-huh. Even if there's no reaction, it's not like, oh great, that's really wonderful, but no, it's just, uh-huh. mm. Mm. 
almost like a subtle affirmation of experience with nothing in it. And releasing jitta. You pick up that, tune into the consciousness property. Consciousness is the ability to to be sankara, to generate forms. Yeah. Sankara is the activity, consciousness is the medium. Consciousness, when it's affected by ignorance, it continually goes into these activities, throwing them up out of the, like waves coming out of the sea. When it begins to get in touch, that property of consciousness doesn't have to act. It remains a potential for action, but no, don't need to. Don't need to affirm, don't need to deny, don't need to make, don't need to resist. Mm. Mm. Stilling of sankaras, it's called. Not cutting them out, but like the waves begin to die down. If you understand that miners are dynamic, then you realise you don't need to do surgery. You're not chopping things out of your mind. And as long as that model remains there, people think, oh my goodness, you know, a mind with no thoughts sounds a bit bleak. Because we only, you know, you, did not, you chopped something out that was essentially there. You chopped out your happiness, which was essentially there. No, no you didn't. You, you let the wave of that calm down and the remaining quality of consciousness is still there but it comes increasingly signless. It's not making anything. This is called, referred to sometimes as the trackless consciousness. Um, and it does means it makes no manifestation. You can't really name it, you can't really place it, you can't, it doesn't exist in time or space. Um, don't know how long it is, there's no dimension to it. Um, it doesn't manifest anything, but there is this. Uh, and this is referred to several times in, in, the, in the scriptures and suttas, saying you know, this is where even when one is in, is in earth, one does not perceive earth. In fire, one does not perceive fire. In water, one does not perceive water. And that's the very primary sense of it. But you could also say, you know, with people, one doesn't perceive people. What does one perceive? One perceives a sense of empathy. One perceives a sense of spaciousness. Mm. Or one is, you know, neither... It means that perceptions don't have to arise. The sankara is the activity that comes running up. As it comes up, here comes the oh my goodness, I've got to do this, oh, it reminds me of so-and-so, there's the perception. Yeah, so the, the urge, the rising up of Sankara generates the perception. And the perception triggers another lot. Yeah? So this basic thirst, you could say, tanha, to have something to form around, something to get going on, something to hold, something to be, wells up, as it does so, it starts to form me, feeling a little bit lost, and then pop, up come the details of karma, past karma. We start remembering things. This happens very, very quickly. We start going into our program, because that's the easiest thing to go to. As you rise up, you grab the first thing in the wardrobe. 
Right? You get out of bed, first thing, you put it on. Similarly, the, the, as, we rise, as, the, as the consciousness rises up into Sankara's, it goes for the most immediate thing at hand, me. You put it on again. Yeah. With all its forms and shapes. Okay. So the first thing it goes to is it's the same car rises up, it goes to the old karmic habits because it knows it so well. It's familiar with it. Yeah. Rise up and then the perceptions, this is me, my life, tomorrow, what I'm not, what I should be, there is again. Rises up. So you can see this kind of arising. The sankara generates a perception. The perceptions generate more activities, and so on and so on and so on. Therefore, it becomes extremely dense. But with the subduing, with the stilling, there's not just the the quieting of content, but also beginning to release this compulsive activity called tanha, thirst. The thirst is not quite the same as desire, though. Des- though yeah, obviously there's a desire in it. But thirst is much more like a fundamental, almost like a reflex. Of fill me up, give me a form, make me something, make there be something. Hmm? Comes from a vija. If you don't notice the space, if you don't sense into the space, if you don't sense the basic fe- empty fields of something rather pleasant, then oh, this reflex kicks in and something has to be created to hold on to. Upadana, clinging, comes out of that. It suddenly is no longer light. It gets a little bit more weighty and busy. So it said, you know, with the stilling of Sankara, the ending of thirst, the ending of craving, and then the relinquishment of these person-forming tendencies. This is peaceful, this is sublime. This is Nibbana, this is this. Now, yeah, of course, one may think, well, I hope you know, great, but how do you go out and get a living? (laughs) Which is definitely a topic. How do I, you know, but um, light, to live lightly is definitely recommended so that you just realize the potency of the world to gener- to make you into something. Um, and it's okay to be something for a while, you know, recognize the need for conventions and functions, but you also want to take, take it off at night. You don't want to go to bed with all that stuff on So this sense of discharging and, and the exercising the ability and even, you might say, the fundamental human right <laughs> to discharge. Yeah. So that when we arise, and if you look at it, you know, you could see, when, we, when we rise up into being something, there's some sense of, well, I'll, yeah, I'll wear that today and that. No, I don't need that. I'll just... I'll be this. Some, you know, and I'm using language perhaps 
it's figur- figuratively, it's, it's obviously not as chosen as that, but that um, not as thought out as I'm making it seem. Uh, the rising into a form rather than being bolted into it day and night. And the subsiding of that. So as we can see clearly in these examples of we take the Buddha as the model, certainly he was able to be somebody. You know? um, be a very impressive, distinct, active, communicating, thinking, speaking, deciding, adjudicating person. <laughs> Seeking arms for wearing robes, looking at details of you know how big a dwelling should be and actually work things out. This was the Buddha, and yet, also, the Buddha knows the arising of all that, the usefulness of it, what's his responsibility, what is actually useful, pertinent. He said, sometimes I talk, when there's somebody who will, who can get it, sometimes I don't say things, because the person isn't available. You know? So it's not some missionary to do that, and then, you know, sense it out, and then also how to relinquish all that and return. And to the extent to which any of us can accomplish this, we at least get the sense of, can I still a little, some of those sankharas, some of those compulsive reflexes, myself a little more space to be a little vaguer about who I am, a little vaguer about the future and not feel anxious, a little vaguer about my identity and not feel insecure. A little vaguer about my duties and not feel, oh, I should be doing more. Yeah. Just a little bit. You get the sense of it. And you think, yeah, actually this feels better. Stronger, clearer, more reliable. I'm, I'm a better natured person when I'm like this. I'm less rattled, less irritable. <laughs> yes, my welfare and the welfare of others. The more I can do that, the more gentle and open I become. Hey, this is good. Yeah. Uh, and so then that that becomes our sign, our clue. The deeper you go, the lighter it gets. And you can't really force deepening. You just work on those edges which seem that you could now this time you can manage this. You could practice being perhaps a little less uh, reactive. And know where your hot spots are. Be honest to yourself where your hot spots are. Can I look at that hot spot and just put some space around it, some equanimity around it, some aha around it, some all the time in the world to, to sense you around that, to allow you to be that way. And then you can arise with all your whatever it is and then you can subside. Now these things generally do not subside until you've let them rise. Mm-hmm. The really strong stuff, the, the, um, sometimes we don't even know what's there until you allow things to arise. Mm-hmm. The need for um, security can come up as a sense almost of anger, something like quite forceful. Okay, sometimes it's quite frightening. When you get cornered you feel we all feel irritable, I'm sure, at times. When you really get cornered, you start to get steamed up. Yeah? Okay, let that arise. What's really needed here? Instead of becoming malevolent, it becomes 
strong. I need to have my strength now. This has nothing to do with malevolence or hatred. It's to do with gathering my strength. And then, the, the, then that's what's needed for dealing with anger. Rather than getting snappy at everybody else. Find my ground. What's needed when we experience great grief and heartbreak is not getting over it, but spacious openness towards that experience. Feeling safe and then uh, absorbing the sense of sorrow, listening to it, till compassion begins to arise from that relationship to sorrow. Passion is the good heart meeting the sorrowful, the painful. Mm. And it meets it at this place where we just spread spacious consciousness over that. Mm -hmm. Let it be sad. It's supposed to be sad. It's supposed to be, you know, because it is. Whether, you know, it's already here. You can't say, oh, you know, if I wasn't such a... I wouldn't feel sad. I wasn't so attached, I wouldn't feel sad. Well, maybe, but now it is this way. So, hold it there, and let it cease, till it's finished itself. And then maybe we begin to look at how did that occur? How did that occur? Where did that come from? So it's the ceasing of the suffering before we really begin to understand how to more clearly, consciously, structure our lives in a way that will prevent us from going down the same old karmic tracks again and again and again, the path. So it's, you know, on retreat it's okay to have your life issues come up, your problems come up, but do look into taking a, the the, just a few assimilating one of the fundamental patterns here, the karmic patterns, you know it again, you've seen it happen. How does it feel in the heart? Can you strengthen your heart by giving this basic protection, basic confidence in yourself, basic love towards yourself? That's really important. If that isn't there, it's going to be quite difficult to unravel your, the tangle of the chitta. But it will unravel because jitter is a field of dynamic energies. If you keep putting the right dynamic energy into it, it's bound to, it cannot help but line up. It's like, yeah, it must do. Because it's not a thing. It's a constantly dynamic changing potential. As long as you keep putting the good energy into it, it must change that way. Because it's fluid. It's, it's, it's very fluid. Anyway, but it takes a while. So I'll stop there for today. Thank you.